Hey guys, Dan here. Just wanted to say a quick thank you for supporting the podcast. And if you'd like to advertise your business on the podcast in a slot just like this, please contact me at fisticuffs underscore podcast on Instagram. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the podcast. So here we are with Christopher Hayes. How are we doing, my friend? How are you finding lockdown? I'm good, man. Uh, you know, it's probably a little bit strange, but um, this has got to be one of the best things ever to happen for, for a few people. Interesting point, Matt. Explain. Hmm. Um, oh, man, like, obviously it sucks that, you know, things aren't great and there's like a lot of, uh, lot of issues right now and people dying, but, you know, you, you can't waste this time at all. Like, you know, the last seven weeks, I think I've gained so much just by keeping my head down realizing this time is very valuable and just trying to make the most of it now how are you making the most of it then what, what do you mean by that i'm going to keep on kicking your brain with this <laughs> um just you know training as hard as i can and you know sticking to this i stick to a little rule just be a little bit better that's all it's about you know i, I can't make these big jumps you know change is incremental um so yeah every day you know whether it's now I've got time to do some stretching. Now I've got time to do some yoga. You know, now I've got time to get that run in. Especially, you know, in the nine to five for everyone else. You know, you work all day, you come home, you train all night. You know, there really is only so much you can do by cramming everything in, you know. If, if I work till five, I come home, I get to the gym, get my MMA in, get my BJJ in. It's 10 o'clock by the time I get home. You know, where's the time to get the yoga in? You know, it, it, it's tough. So, what's your background then? Did you when did you start with MMA and Jiu Jitsu? Was that pre or post um, services? That was that was post services. Uh, so, I was basically discharged with uh, a lot of mental health issues and uh, had a really bad two years where uh, sort of the most anybody saw of me was sort of uh, the old private eye camera angle of me coming into the house with a 12 pack of monster munch four pack of red bull nobody would see me again you know till the next morning when i emerged from my pit what flavor monster munch oh pickled onion there we are you can start a podcast like if you don't get them right you're getting <laughs> <laughs> these, uh, these moral questions yeah uh so yeah I had, I had a really rough two years um i really i cut myself off from the core brotherhood i I disconnected, um, I was drinking a lot, I was, you know, in a very bad place. And uh, this all sort of culminated uh, where I, I, I made a very foolish attempt to hurt myself in a very permanent way um, by overdose, uh, which sort of ended up with me in the hospital. Um, I was having kidney issues, my bladder was shutting down. And uh, I kind of realized at that point that I'd felt sorry for myself enough and, you know, if I was truly this ill and this sick, that this shouldn't be a big issue to me being in hospital. I shouldn't care, you know, but I really did. I, I really cared and I was so worried about what people were going to think about me after this that I came out of the hospital and I just knew that I had to do better. You know, these limitations I put on myself that, you know, things are never going to be okay and, oh man, I, I've just got a really bad shake at life and, you know, oh, I had a bad childhood and I've got mental health issues and I was really stuck in this mindset that, you know, because of these things, that was my excuse. Not not to achieve, not to try, to fail, to be this moody, horrible, angry man. You know, that was my excuse. Um, so I kind of came out of the hospital with that mindset and, you know, struggled on for a few more weeks. And, and eventually the sort of cycle repeated itself of, you know, 
I need to hurt back. I need to get out of you. I, I need to check out. You know, it, it's not going to work out for me. You know, I'm going to get another 30 years of this. So, again, I made this other foolish plan to, you know, really hurt myself in a in a very permanent way. And uh, I just took a took a moment and uh, I went outside of my my flat in Newton Abbott. And uh, but, but somehow, I have no idea how, cosmic alignment, whatever you want to call it, uh, the founder of Reorg. Jiu-Jitsu uh, just happened to see me in the street, and he saw my uh, my Royal Marine tattoo, and uh, we magically bumped into each other. He saw that I was upset. I sort of explained everything to him, and and I really sort of uh, barraged him with with everything, man. The, the poor guy, and uh, <laughs> he said, um, "I'll call you in thirty minutes. Make sure you answer your phone in thirty minutes." And off he goes. And I thought, I'll never see this guy again. I'll never see this guy again. And uh, 30 minutes later, uh, I get a call. Uh, I need you to meet me at Premier MMA. I need you to meet me at Premier MMA. I go, okay, okay, okay. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Uh, I go down. You know, my, my, my coach now was there. And they, they'd opened the gym, especially just for me. They cleared everybody out because they knew I was so nervous. And, and uh, they, they basically just gripped me and said, you need to deal with this head on. I think MMA and jiu-jitsu is the, is the way forward for you. And uh, I, I, unfortunately, to my shame, did uh, jujitsu. What's that? And they did the old, uh, you know, when it goes down in the U.S. Oh, when they're on the, yeah, okay, and they're they're doing all this, yeah, oh, the yeah, that. <laughs> they, you'd, you'd be all right at that. And I was going, why don't they just stand up? Why don't they just stand? Oh. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, and that was it. And uh, I, I think I came to a session that night, uh, hit the double, and since then, doubles every day. Um. And, yeah, I, I, I sort of realized that MMA sort of gives you this blueprint. Uh, just the lifestyle gives you this blueprint to sort of – you have to improve. You, you really – you have to improve in all aspects with MMA and jiu-jitsu. So, sort of any martial art, I would say. I mean, there, there is a lot that's going on in that, what you've just said there. So <laughs> so let me, let me try and break some of this down and really understand. Again, I yeah. really appreciate your honesty and your openness with all this. Kind no, of, no, I no. I appreciate it's a lot of, you know, yeah. personal things you've gone through. When you were – in that kind of place of wanting to, you know, switch lights off and everything else. Where did that come from? Is that a place of losing your camaraderie, losing your guidance? Was it a place of not knowing where to go next? What was your, I don't know, what, what was your reasoning behind that? I think probably the, much the same as anyone else's reasoning in that situation where, you know, I, I, didn't, um, I didn't have a great childhood. I, I dealt with a lot of bullying issues and... Um, you know, obviously, I, I joined the core straight away. The, the core was sort of everything to me, and I lost that in, in a very big way. And, and in a way that, you know, that wasn't my choice to leave the core. You know, I understand that I was medically discharged and I, and I could no longer operate as a Marine in the, in the highest capacity. Um, but, you know, I think there's a – it's very much a, a big family. And, and the way I saw it was that, uh, that people were taking me away from my family and my safety net and – put me in this world that I'd had no experience of until I was a teenager. You know, I was going back into this scary, scary world and I didn't want to be in this world and, and people didn't understand. And, and again, you know, like I said before, I, I think I was very much in this sort of feeling sorry for myself kind of, kind of cycle of just anger and nobody understands and it's never going to get better. And, you know, I just couldn't see, I couldn't see things changing. And, and that was what terrified me. It terrified me that I might have to endure this for another 30 years. What's really interesting, the way you're phrasing this all, 
is how rational you are about the way you're breaking it down in the sense of when it comes to these kind of feelings of like you know suicide and all that kind of stuff normally it's a lot more you know sort of goodbye cruel world it's a kind of you know there's no alternative there's no logic as such it's just that feeling but the fact you yeah. you're breaking it down to a finer detail of okay i feel this way because of i've lost this connection i've lost this kind of my place i don't know where my i fit i don't fit in this i don't know where i am i haven't got this that and the other like that kind of to comprehend a problem like i've always elaborated in my own experiences that that's normally my i don't know pulling the plug when you when your game's not working kind of logic when it comes to my problem solving that it's like ah oh, i'm stuck in this rut i can't get out i'm getting frustrated i can't work it out and then it just sort of spirals and you think okay i just need to you know do that and the other but again the fact you're so conscious about this kind of thing so without going into too much detail how abruptly did you leave the call was it like an overnight thing was it over a period of time what was it uh no it was it was a very um very gradual experience so i I was diagnosed at four five commando uh which is up in scotland and um again i was very very resistant to the the process i was very very resistant to you know they they sort of told me i was going to go to um hazard company which is um sort of like the most uh, a very very big rehab facility for, for for grievous wounded and um full of like absolutely inspiring people uh and but also in a horrible way known as a career graveyard i i knew that if i went there they were going to get rid of me you know i and i and i refused i refused i i, I saw that i was going to go and they were going to get rid of my support network and you know, you, you've got to understand that at this point, I'm sort of immersed in the core. The core is my my life. You know, we have our own language, we have our own culture, and and the the, the people around you. It's much like an, a, the the friends you make at MMA and, and martial arts. You, you get a fast track friendship. You know, they become brothers very very easily. These people, and the the slow process, you know, was horrible to know that I was slowly losing these guys and. That at some point I would lose the support network. So, so probably over two years, I, I think eventually I got pushed into Has Company, and I kind of accepted where I was. And um, I got to spend an amazing two years with potentially some of the finest Marines and, and finest human beings I've ever met in my entire life. You know, guys, guys with um, no legs who, are, when I come to the gym in the morning and I didn't get any sleep because I had some nightmares or something like that, and they're like, "How are you doing, Chris, man?" And I'm awful, bro. I didn't get any sleep last night, man. I'm so angry. I'm so sad. And life's so hard. And I'd be like, how are you, man? And there's this guy, you know, on prosthetics in the gym, you know, doing bicep pills or on the bike. And he's telling me, I'm good, man. I'm good, man. I feel good today, bro. And it, such a strange experience to, to experience all that over two years. I think, I think you need to be careful with that kind of concept as well, is that we're mm. trying to... I don't know, compare your feeling to someone else's feelings. Because yes. if someone's in a worse physical condition than you and they're feeling whatever differently, you can't necessarily think, oh, I can't feel sad or I can't feel bad because someone mm. else is worse because that just gets mm. toxic. That gets a bit like, okay, I feel depressed, but someone else is much worse than me, so I'm not going to talk about it. You get in those little traps. It's really... But that's it. It's an interesting one. And regards of... Yeah. You got told to go to Hazard Company and all that kind of stuff. Did you have a plan from there onwards what you were going to do, or was it like just counting your days and then just hoping it doesn't come? I mean, I was obviously very, very sick at this point, and, and I sort of hadn't figured out anything that I figured out now. It's very early in the journey, and 
um, I was just so angry, so angry that, and I took it so personally that these people were setting me up to, to leave and I just didn't want to accept their help, you know? It was a really strange situation to be in, you know, offered help and you'd refuse it so much. And I think you, uh, you, you really have to want to get better over and over and over again, because I think recovery is very cyclical. Um, you have these highs, you have the lows, and even if you're doing incredibly well, you know, you're still going to have bad days, the normal bad days that everybody has. You knock the tea over, it goes everywhere. You know, you have to keep investing in yourself over and over again, even if it seems ridiculous. It, it'll seem ridiculous at the time, you know, you'll be telling yourself, I'm never going to get better. But I think the point is you, you have to force yourself into this cycle and, and keep knowing that eventually it is going to pay off. I think it's very important for everyone listening to know that recovery and these things aren't linear. It's not always going to be in the same trajectory of always being better yeah. consistently. You're going to have sort of, you know, yeah. and highs and lows and stuff. Like, you're going to feel great one day, and the next yeah. day, you know, you're just going to, I don't know, open your crystal yeah. upside down and have a bad day I, about it. I don't know. It's going to have something, something trivial is going to set you off or yeah. something bad's going to happen. I, I feel like sometimes people have this idea of, um, you know, like instant enlightenment where you're sort of walking along and all of a sudden you'll realize, oh my God life's not so bad you know and, and everything's magically it, it doesn't work like that you know it's it's the same as anything you need to put a thousand hours into it one thing that's really interesting when it comes to marines especially the ones i've spoken to is they're very heavy on mantras and motivational kind of in a sense of constantly trying to work around the same premises of being discomfort being in, sorry, being in a state of discomfort to then be better mm. as a result, mm. versus being under pressure and all these kind of things. How did you deal with, I don't know, having that kind of strong thinking soldier kind of mindset to back to being a civvy? Did you feel like you had your superpowers taken away? Did you feel like you're the same person, identity kind of thing? How did you feel in that sense? Uh, I, I like that. That's, that's quite interesting. Um, so I think what, what you're trying to refer to is the, what's called the commando values, uh, courage in the face of adversity honor, integrity, all, all these things that are burned into you to make you a good Marine. Um, very strange. I, I think, again, like, I think if that mindset hadn't occurred to me, I'd turned that into a very, very angry, toxic, horrible thing where, you know, because I was a Marine and I understood these values that the people around me wouldn't understand these values because they hadn't gone through the same experiences that I, that I had gone through. Um, so it kind of rendered that mindset totally useless um which i love I, I love i love looking back and realizing that um I, again i'm biased but i think marines have got some of the strongest mind mentalities going um they, they achieve incredible things over and over again most veterans you see in business have absolutely killed it man and, I, and that's all because of the commando values um and it, it seems so strange that something so powerful could be rendered so useless um by something simple like a, a mental health issue or, or, or at the time what was probably a poor mindset along with mental health issues now that is, what the way you've described that is something very very significant and i'm going to repeat some of that back for anyone who's listening mm. is mindset and mental health being two different things that yeah, mental health 100%. is a either a condition or whatever else. Again, I'm not an expert. I'm not going to pretend I am. I'm not going <laughs> But again, mental health itself is its own spectrum of its own issues and diseases and that kind of stuff. Like, I'm not going to say that's all one collective thing, but it's a variety of things. It's its own spectrum. But mindset is your own personal perspe perspective on it all. Like, 
you walk out see it's sunny you could think oh it's a nice hot day or you could say oh for fuck's sake it's too hot it's the same day <laughs> it's yeah. the way you perceive yeah. it hasn't changed it's just that's that's the only thing you have control over and again that's why it's really important and this is where you can build these stronger and more healthy habits and also give yourself that kind of cue as such so regards of back to civvy life and trying to face reality how did you find rebuilding a structure did you have a structure for a while or was it just your monster munch and you know make up as you go along oh dan honestly monster munch stock went down as soon as i started getting into mindset monster munch stock went down um <laughs> the, the hard thing is that uh, again you sort of i don't want to sort of over dramatize this but you know even if i think if you speak to any veteran who comes outside it's very scary like the core sort of takes care of everything. You, you get this image of the Marine, the big Marine, you can take care of everything. Well, the reality is that, man, the MOD takes care of everything. You know, my rent is taken care of, my food is taken care of. You know, the amount of times that, honestly, I would go out on the lash in Dundee on a Friday night, 1st of June, get absolutely rinsed, spend all my paycheck, and be living off rations for the next three and a half weeks is unbelievable. It, it, you develop this very hard mindset where you're sort of capable of a lot of things but also, you're entirely useless in the real world. You, you really are. I, I remember at one point being confused that I had to ring the water company because they were charging me for water. You know, I'm used to some guy bringing to me in a Land Rover and I just fill up. It's all good with me. It's very strange. I think there needs to be a little bit more on sort of um, preparing people to go outside for the mundane tasks. All right, lads. I know you're not stripping FA80 in less than one minute, but this is how you pay the council tax, okay? You know, there seems to be a very strange disconnect, and especially if you're suffering with, you know, mental health issues, poor mindset, whatever that may be. You, you know, you need to get those ducks lined up, especially if you're in therapy and you need to transfer your therapy over to a civilian GP. Bless you. Thank you. Um, it's, 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 it's hard, you know. Like I said, especially if you've got medical issues. I mean, I didn't even know how to sort a prescription out. I'm assuming that's not because I'm an idiot. That's because I had some very real issues at the time. And, you know, I mean, at one point, I wouldn't get in the cars with people. I wouldn't answer my phone. I wouldn't answer my mail. I mean, my old sergeant major would come to my house, Jim Morris, um, one of the nicest guys in the world, and is 100% my real biological father. He has to be. He has to be. Um, he would come to my house and open my mail, you know, and, and read to me, like, what people would say, okay, mate, you need to address this, you, you know. Really, really, in a bad way. I just totally shut off in the world. I mean, that is so powerful to hear as well. And again, there's one thing I've really sort of taken from that is where you're in that sort of state of shock is that you'll see people after any kind of sort of trauma. Obviously, I'm not going to categorize the same sort of thing, but for example, like say someone's been in like a quite a bad car accident, and as soon as it's happened, they're in this weird state of shock. They can't even like string of sentences together they're in this sort of the can't the core fundamental things like you have i thought that shock to the system to try and understand your bearings trying to get that kind of concept of everything else and even on top of that it's just so i don't know it's just so raw because i think as well you say about having those sessions to try and teach you how to do council text this kind of thing i think it's a lot of um you know you get the elite athletes the elite fighters they don't worry about their food they don't worry about their schedule they don't worry about anything and then you know as soon as they have to then the, the stress piles up and this is why when it comes to being the sort of you know 
thinking soldier and being the forefront of things you can't be faffing around with that kind of stuff so if that's sorted out for you it's one less thing to worry about so you can focus on the task at hand but and then again mm. it's all trying to rebuild that structure and rebuild get your bearings again and even then like mm. that i couldn't even begin to imagine like where your head was throughout all this sort of stuff because this wouldn't have been like an overnight thing this is like a gradual sort of record like judgment day almost of you counting yeah. down the days of thinking yeah. oh no i'm like it's like reverse christmas it's like oh no don't come <laughs> and just every day it's like i'm gonna lose my family in this day i've almost got a, a deadline for it it's horrible and like mm. i guess the natural reluctance to try and accept that situation if anything probably made it worse of i don't know clawing at the floor to try and stay there instead of you know accepting your fate and you know processing it that way regards of mm. your recovery back to quote-unquote normality or whatever you want to call it how have you dealt with i don't know rebuilding that structure in itself has it been a gradual thing has it been a structure someone set in place for you, for you to try and follow how have you worked that out um i, I like to think it's a, a lovely little blend between anxiety ocd and military um yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm the sort of guy I always I always pack my stuff the night before. Otherwise, I'll wake up and I'll be anxious, I'll be stressed, and I kind of hit this point with my recovery where I was doing all these weird things, like you know, locking the door three times, or I thought there were people in the attic whispering at me, and you know, I've got to put I've got to read this book within the next amount of time, or bad things are going to happen to certain people, and I, some of the stuff I used to come out with is just hilarious in my own mind, but I. I worked with a very good therapist, uh, the head of naval psychology, um, uh, Dr. Coatsy, uh, and he sort of came to me with this mindset that I didn't have to fix everything. It was okay to leave some things because they were my strengths. You know, uh, the, the anxiety issues, I had about checking my kit over and over and over again and, and checking that everything was ready over and over and over again and that I would need something. That's fine. That's okay. That, that makes me like a very organized person, you know, as long as I don't let it get to a level where it's affecting me where I'm being ridiculous and where it's impacting on my life. So I kind of developed this, this strange blend between doing a lot of uncomfortable things, like, you know, I have to open the mail. I've got to see how much time tax I owe. I've got to see how much water I need to do. I, do, I like to de I develop this sort of strange blend of playing, playing my issues to my strengths where they apply and being absolutely relentless in crushing them and getting rid of them 100% when I had to, in a very awkward way, where I would force myself to, I'd be sat there, you know, at this point I'm uh, probably 110k plus, I'm, I'm a big boy. Um, I've got a beard down here, I'm, I'm covered in stellar at some point or another, and I can't open a letter. I'm sat there with a big stack of, a big stack of letters like this, looking at them going, all right, come on, man, like, you've got to do this. Oh, oh, Ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And once I sort of realised that it was ridiculous and that I had to do these things, and and that sort of coincided when I started discovering mindset and um, you know that you have to do these uncomfortable things, even though it feels horrible at the time and it's going to feel horrible for days. And a week later, you look back at it and you still get that awkward feeling. You stomach. you have to do these things. You have to do it. You have to embrace adversity. It's the only way to make yourself grow. You know, if I said to you, oh, okay, Dan, we could do uh, 10 push-ups every day for the next 10 weeks, and you're going to get an extra five push-ups, whatever you want to say. I'll say, Dan, come on, man. Hey, I've got this system. We're going to do 10 sets of 10 push-ups every day for the next seven days. 
and we're going to be an animal at the end, you're going to go, okay, the seven-day thing kind of like it sucks, but I'm all about those fast games. Let's go. As long as I can cry there's off a, doing that's fine. Got to compromise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a price to pay for everything, you know, and <laughs> unfortunately the price of, of growth is these uncomfortable spots, these horrible situations. I think if you break it down to what exercise really is of breaking down to rebuild stronger, I think that sort of analogy itself really translates into all forms of like development and that kind of thing. And on top of that, mm. there's, there's so much I really want to... Uh, most of us, I really want to make this clear that I'm only trying to understand. I couldn't begin to empathise, and if I sound like I'm oversimplifying things, it's, I don't mean to sound disrespectful. That's all it is. So no. when it comes to, again, what you said about anxiety and mental health mindset is so interesting. The way you're conceiving what, sorry, perceiving what you've already accepted. So you've got this anxiety. That is the mental health thing. This is something that's causing these issues to make you overthink and overanalyze things. But instead of seeing it as a problem, you're seeing it as a strength. You're seeing it as a way to stay on top of things, to stay protected, stay protected, stay organized, all this kind of stuff. And that's so important because who you are, you've got all these attributes. They're not, they're, nothing is absolute. It's no, nothing is good or bad. It's how you per perceive it and how you can make it. So inherently, if you're, I don't know, like overly empathetic, that could be anything. That could be either your, it's a problem because you care too much or it's a good thing because you care too much. It's because you analyze situations that kind of level of detail. And again, with your, like, I couldn't even begin to imagine like being in that state you were in and what was going through your head while you couldn't open these letters. Was it like a, a cognitive thing? Do you think you couldn't physically do it? Or was it a case that you couldn't face what was in there? What was your initial thought process? Both, I think. I mean, I was terrified of what was in there. Obviously, if you're ignoring letters to the point where the big pile's building up, you're not paying the bills, you know. Even if you've got the money, you're ignoring letters, you're ignoring even something simple like register to vote. You have to register to vote. If you don't, you get in trouble, you get a fine, you get these letters sent out. And that sort of, uh, if you don't head that off at the pass, you know, that builds up over time. And it just makes things so much worse, which, which again, is why you need to be so proactive. You have to be so responsible. For, for dealing with these issues or at least trying to. Like, I'm, not, I'm not saying that if, if you're sat now and you've got depression or PTSD or, or whatever you want to call it, I, I don't think anything's worse than one other or anything's more valid than one other. You, you've got issues. It's as simple as that. But if you don't responsibly kind of head these things off and really try to work on them, then I don't want to be horrible, but more for you. You know, there's, there's an absolute strength you can draw from all this. You really can. If you can come through these issues and you can come on the other side of it, you can turn all this into this amazing strength. And why wouldn't you? I mean, surely if, if you can overcome... Uh, first of all, eating 12 packs of Monster Munch in a row is a, a slight amount of adversity. That's a feat. Uh, let's be real. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on. Um, but, you know, if, if you can overcome these issues where... Honestly... I remember like these hilarious situations where people would knock on my door to make sure I was okay. Like I don't want to paint this picture that I was this lonely veteran sat at home crying and nobody came to see me. P people would come to see me. My old sergeant major would come to see me and find out where the hell I'd been for the last two years. And I remember him knocking the door and I would, well, panic and I'd run and jump behind the sofa and I'd, I'd be hiding it. You know, but at this point I'm like 28, 29. I'm, I'm hiding behind the sofa from someone I don't know. It's crazy because I'm so anxious. I don't answer the door. I'm looking at my big pile of letters next to the door. Oh, God, I hope this guy doesn't go, who is it? Oh, oh, oh. 
if you can overcome that and overcome any of the issues you're facing, surely you can overcome. And I, and I don't want to say this. I, I'm Welsh. I can't be an inspirational figure, but uh, <laughs> you can overcome anything. Surely you can sit there and you know. Obviously, martial arts is huge um, for, for us and probably everyone that's listening. But you can. Why can't you do you know the hour hit squad? Why can't you enter a competition even though you're scared and you know why why can't you do those things if, if you can overcome something? Let's face it, as simple as opening a letter. Now I'm going to ask you something, and it might be a bit of a heavy question, but I want you to answer this as honestly as you can. Knowing what you know now, if martial arts was taken away from you where would your head be? Would you be back to square one? Or would you have the foresight to know to do something else? I'd have to be very honest and say I would, I would like to think that I would use all this super cool Eastern mindset and you know this David Goggins rhetoric I've got. And I'd love to think that I would be like this paragon of strength, but I think I would be more than happy to admit that I would probably fall apart you know or i would significantly lose the traction that i've gained or you know i would start taking these backward steps because how, how am i meeting my reward systems without without this you know that's my chosen way of meeting these human reward systems and it, this will sound ridiculous again to anyone who's you know listening in and they've never done any martial arts my best friends absolutely battering me while i batter them is the greatest therapy on earth i mean I haven't found anything bad. Now, where I asked that question from is the fact that I really appreciate your honesty with that. For everyone listening as well, something to note with that answer. It was so real in the sense of the ideal situation of I've if this happens, I can deal with this process, this, that, and the other. But the shock to what the process would be you need that time to face it and deal with it and the fact you said you'd deal with it that way and accepting the situation to then do whatever else afterwards that's the most important part of that because if you just said oh yeah i'll just be you know fine and you know get harder whatever as david goggins says and you'd be fine that's just like the bullshit really because <laughs> not being funny if you ask someone how do you deal with grief you wouldn't say oh i know you just oh. you just deal with it and you're fine you say okay you've got to be honest with how you feel you've got to take each day as it comes all this kind of stuff you couldn't just be like okay you just process it because you lost someone else before like say you lost um i don't know a cousin oh you lost another one so d deal with it the same way no it's, it's different <laughs> so f to have that kind of mindset i think it's almost the home you have yourself of okay this is what i believe in this is my structure if you imagine like maslow's hierarchy and needs that pyramid thing like if your layers are up here somewhere of okay this is my priorities here like what gear do i wear to the gym oh the gym's not there anymore okay i need to work out what where my exercise comes from, where does that reward system come from, and then sort of work your way back up again. And again, rebuilding these structures. Now, I say structure quite a lot, because when it comes to anything, really, but in my own personal experience and nothing else, structure helps with just about everything, I feel, to try and have an understanding of what you're doing when, to manage your time and manage you, I don't know, the mind's a busy place, is to try and keep it in some sort of semblance. Hopefully that came across the way it meant to, not too like. <laughs> no yeah, looping. yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, I think that sort of, that loops back to uh, you know what I was saying about wasting this time now. You know, if I can't imagine I'm the only person in the world right now who's 
missing MMA, who's missing whatever martial arts you do, whatever sport it is, whatever activity you do, you could be smashing up eggs for fun, you could be jumping over sofas, whatever activity it is that you do that you can't do now, man, like, that sucks. Yeah, that sucks. You haven't got your release. You know, again, like, it's it's your responsibility. It's nobody else's responsibility to, to figure that out, whether that's hitting the Zoom sessions your gym's putting on or whether that's, okay, man, right, I'm just going to work this spinning back kick for the next seven weeks. See you in seven weeks, guys. Wh- whatever you've got to do to make it work, you've got to make it work, and that's your responsibility, man. If I don't hit yoga today, who cares? Nobody. But me, right? Adversely as well. Who cares if you don't and who cares if you do? It's the same person. It's the most important person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you. I mean, if I told you I slept on my run yesterday and didn't bother going, you're not going to be like, oh, Dan, you just be like, all right, don't give a shit. If I tell you I'm going to for a run later on, you'll be like, all right. <laughs> but in my world, it's like, oh, shit, I let myself down yesterday. I think, okay, I'm going to go today. Yeah. And in my world, it's like, okay, this is, this is an achievement. This is my tick list. And I think that's how you should sort of treat everything. Like, give yourself that kind of responsibility. Give yourself that respect for it as well. Yeah. Like, where I feel people misinterpret this kind of thing is, I'm not going to put the world to rights in my soapbox, but, you know, you've got to give your opinion <laughs> on your own podcast sometimes, I think. But um, yeah, when it comes to consistency and these kind of journeys, I think if someone falls up on the first hurdle, I think they call it that. So if they're going to do go exercise every day for like half an hour and the first day or second day they forget or can't be asked to get busy, then they don't do it again. But adversely, if you have 100 days of it and you missed two days, 98% is still pretty fucking good going. But just because it's at the start, they seem to think it doesn't... <laughs> that's where it stops entirely. So it's just reboot. I don't know. It's, it's figuring out a lot of things. It's understanding where your limits are, what you want out of it, and... I don't know. Being creative, I guess. Just seeing what you enjoy and making it work for you. Because it's not one size fits all. Like, not everyone can sit in front of a treadmill monotonously. And some people can. Some people need jiu-jitsu. Some people need, Mm. I don't know, knitting or something. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'd say the same thing with recovery. You know, know, um, not everyone's going to get... I mean, I'm I'm a massive fan of this Indian mystic at the moment. But I'm also a huge fan of, you know, David Goggins and Joe Rogan and I think you you need to bring this sort of MMA mentality where, you know, you can make the recipe for whatever it is you're trying to make. You know, if 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 David Goggins screaming at you for the next hour doesn't motivate you, that's fine. I can understand that totally. But whatever it is that is going to get you out, you need to keep finding it, which means you need to keep trying things. And unfortunately, it means these things are going to fail. Some aren't going to work for you. You need to find the right rhythm for you, if, if that makes sense, you know, there's no, well, while, while you were saying about recover, uh, sorry, recovery being linear, um, it's also not a, not a strict recipe on what is going to make it for you and how hard it's going to be. There's so much to go into that as well. What do you want? I want to touch on that. Oh, no, sorry, I'm, I'm actually, I'm barraging you with these, with these points, man. I'm, I'm no, 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 you're, you're perfectly fine, mate. There's a bit of a delay there. I wasn't sure from you were finished or not. Um, yeah, with um, that, there's so much I want to go into it. So when it comes to, like, recovering different sort of methodologies, same with anything, if you have David Goggins every fucking day, it's going to burn you out. But it's not to say it's not useful. It's not to say certain, like... It's just trying and things, not being afraid to, you know, mix it up and not pigeonholing yourself. 
if you yeah. if you say to yourself, I need someone like David Goggins, you've then cut off the possibility that other things could work for you, and that it could work, and then yeah. you do something else and then come back to it. Having that sort of flexibility and that willingness to try things and see yeah. what works for you. And on top of that, again, be prepared to fucking fail. Be prepared to fall on your ass a couple of times. You need to. And it's, it's yeah. so important. You need to. I think that's the best thing ever. And regards of um, recovery as well, it's a very... Now, I'm going to be very careful the way I phrase this. Recovery is very similar to like progression in jiu-jitsu. It's very hard to measure it. It's very hard to sort of get a definitive kind of point of where you're at and where you need to be and what, what you want to be because it's so hard to measure and it's so hard to really get a grasp on and you really have to set that boundary yourself like at what point are you recovered at what point do you call yourself you know i don't know you again what, po- what point do you say you're is it being back to marine standard is it back to fighting again it's all up to everyone regards of how you interpret these things that like, when are you good enough at jiu-jitsu when are you recovered these these sort of questions aren't really meant to have a definitive answers they're meant to have i don't know your own personal response to that. So here's the question for you then. How recovered are you? My answer would be probably that it doesn't matter. In a in a very strange way that it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. And and when you saying about uh, at what point do you you kind of stop, at what point you recover? Never. That's uh, for, for, essentially that's like saying kind of uh, at what point you know do you stop getting better. You know, when you get the black belt, or you're sorry, when you get the blue belt, I should say, you know, do you stop? Have you mastered jiu-jitsu? No. Unfortunately, you've got probably you, you've achieved you you've hit the first you know, you've hit the first mountain. You've 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 ascended this uh, mountain range, you know, and it looks dope, man. It looks dope. It's so great. Everything's so new. You've got this awesome perspective. Everything looks beautiful, man. And you turn around, and there's this bigger Kilimanjaro-looking thing behind you, and you know you've got to climb again. It, it, you know. You never stop climbing. Surely, why, why would you limit yourself to, you know, oh yeah, my uh, my hook is is decent. Maybe that'll do for now. You know, I'll I'll, I'll leave that for a few years. Now, man, if you think like that, you're not gonna make it, man. You, you're gonna you're gonna hit a point in your recovery where you hit a bump and things get hard again, real uncomfortable. And you're gonna give up, man. You're gonna give up. You gotta keep going. Now, the way you've said that. I think it's so so important because when say if anyone's got like an injury for us an example and their their initial point is when am I recovered when can I go back in action but they don't appreciate afterwards they're gonna have to like rehab they're gonna have to like make sure they're in a position where they keep on maintaining it but the way you valued that of see I'm just gonna have a random interpretation of this so you've been discharged because of something your initial thought would be get this sorted so I can get back in. But without that, you've then taken that a step away saying, do you know what? I've rebuilt the structure myself, my own value system. I'm, it doesn't matter where I am in regards of that because that intention to get back to where I was isn't important anymore. Now I'm doing something else. Now my priorities are somewhere else. So my energy is somewhere else. So the fact I'm at a position or could be at a position to go back to where I was isn't really relevant anymore. And I think that's so important to sort of take that step to close that chapter of, okay, accepting where I'm at and just, you know, keep on living instead of trying to, I don't know, go back to the original comfort zone, I want to say. Hopefully that wasn't too, uh, yeah. you know, line or anything. 
No, I, I, I think I understand you. I, I think um, if you ask me what my recovery goal was, you know, as I came out of the Marines, there was no there was no recovery goal. The goal was to drink a quite a every day, consume Monster Munch, consume Red Bull, and just be the angriest man you've ever met in my life. There's no hope. You know, let's just hope that one day I get hit by a car and we can just deal with this and, you know, it's over. But there was no, oh, man, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be trite and sort of, uh, you know, the next day with Goggins, but there was no hope, for sure. For sure, no hope. And now, like, I, it becomes it becomes very addictive, bettering yourself. Once you kind of figure out this very simple phrase of, like, hard work pays off, and once you figure out that you can actually change things, and, and I say that, I have people saying, but Chris, you know, obviously everyone can change things. It's, it's, like a, you know, it's a very small sentence, but once you really, really, really understand the concept that you can throw a spinning kick, and then you can make that spinning kick better, and then you can start landing that spinning kick and sparring, and then, oh, man, you can get a fight. You can KO someone. You can get the highlight reel. You really just the the goal needs to change. You need to evolve. You know, if you can every day, if not every week, evolve when you can. Evolve. Never settle for you know the the goals that you had three months ago. My goals three months ago were oh obviously not to get the coronavirus, but um, <laughs> you know my goals on, on a personal level. <laughs> um, my, my goals on a personal level, you know, were very different. Uh, both in the sport, both professionally, both, you know, as as the days get better and, and if you're improving every day, surely your goal three months down the line evolves. That sort of runs, that makes sense to me. I mean, regards of goal setting in itself, it's a very, I don't know, it's a, it's a very beneficial but also a very dangerous kind of practice in the sense of yeah. it's good to have that place to aim for but not getting discouraged if you don't reach it. And again, some people like to aim so high, but even if they fall short, they're still further than they are. And some people don't know what to do afterwards. And I've always mm. treated goals as milestones. If, I'm not sure if you read the Ad Middleton book, The Fear Bubble, but something in there yeah. he really highlights is about how you're, you don't, you shouldn't have peaks, you should have ledges. You get to that point, take, look back at how far you've come and then go to the next ledge. The peak itself isn't really the point you want to yep. get to, it's that ledge, it's the next sort of, it's that reference point it's that milestone and that's where I find my goals the most I don't know beneficial I feel where you can take a lot from it and use it constructively instead of getting overwhelmed like for example you have a fight booked or competition you put all your eggs in that basket you put so much into it and fingers crossed it comes out the way you want you get your medal you get your win then what you then have this low you have this sort of moment of oh mm. now what Whereas if you have a ledge moment of, okay, cool, I've had this, I've put this work in, I've got a result, now what? Then already you've had your high and before you've even con conceived the idea of a low or of sort of whatever, you've already set the foundation for your next goal. And again, it's all relative for each person. Like Your goal doesn't have to be anything over the, overly crazy and it can be. I mean, it's up to, up to the individual and this is why it's so specific. If your goal is to climb Everest or your goal is to do, I don't know, a 10-minute run without stopping, both goals are equally as important. Just because they're different levels of athleticism required and stuff doesn't mean they're any less valuable. And again, it's very, very specific. The 
real problem with people nowadays is they try to fit someone else's mold and try and be someone they're not without appreciating who they are mm. and their own mm. not even just limits but their strengths like if I see someone deadlifting I don't know what's his name was it the mountain doing 501 kilo deadlift I'm not gonna try and do a 500 kilo deadlift because he's doing that I'm gonna build up to my like Spongebob-esque weights of I don't know <laughs> body weight in a bit mm. just to like keep me going and just build on that it doesn't mean I have to do what he's doing. It doesn't mean he's a better person than I am. He's that different. He's a different person with his own goals and stuff. And neither of us are any better than the other. It's easy for me to say because you know he's you know famous and you know absolutely swole. Mm. But <laughs> the principles there. I think. Uh, I think the the thing I take away from that is that the, the ledge is reachable. You know what I mean? The ledge is tangible. If and let's 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 face it. Anyone who gets into MMA competitively, the end goal is, you know, as ridiculous as it sounds, the end goal is the paycheck, the UFC, the Bellator. Get it. That's the end goal, isn't it? But it's so, so far away. The more tangible goal that seems easier to achieve, but it's no less harder, is I'm going to train for three months, I'm going to hit a local comp, I'm going to absolutely KO this guy, I'm going to get the highlight reel. That seems achievable, you know, but the UFC thing doesn't because oh, man, the UFC guys are so good. Oh, man, I've only been doing it. I've only been in the sport, like, you know, a year. And Man, am I ever going to get that good? Like, my takedowns are great at the moment. But, you know, the ledge is more tangible. It's reachable. You know, you can you can do the old, uh, oh, I've almost got it. And you, you can't actually reach the ledge. And I like that as a sort of stepping stone, that you can hit these small, tangible, and at times they can be sort of seemingly bullshit, you know, like, like the, the 10-minute run situation, if, if you're doing a, a 5K couch jobby, you know, you're going to go out, you're going to hit that 200-meter run first, and it's not going to feel good. You're going to feel horrible. You're going to beat yourself up. You're going to come home. You're going to sweat all over the sofa. You're initially going to go mad. You know, it's not great. But also, at the same time, you, you've kind of hit that ledge. You know, you're ready to reach the next ledge. So it becomes easier because, you know, instead of jumping up to to to, to sort of jump up this – I'm sorry – as opposed to jumping up four or five steps, you know, you're hitting one at a time, and it's much easier, I think, and, and it becomes more of a roadmap for yourself. I, I, I play with this thing at the minute um, that in any sport or any sort of profession, the best way to be is to be an amateur and admit it, but have a pro ethic. Be very transparent. That is so... There's so much to that I love about that. It's that kind Thank of... You. The understanding of the blueprint and reevaluating the structure and not being so rigid with it so prime example mm. is if your goal is the ufc and you just get stuck in you think okay the goalposts are there but breaking that goal down how are you going to get into it how are you going to do that this that and the other how are you going to earn that paycheck and not getting yourself in a position where you're all the eggs in this one basket and you can't even begin to achieve oh, it. You yeah. can't train properly. Oh. Like you're worried about trying to... Oh. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking, oh, I've got to get that super fight with Darren Till or I can't pay the counter tax bill this month. Oh, God. You know? Well, that's oh. it. The priority's got to be like, okay, I'm going to get the gym in the first place. I'm going to, you know, get the amateur fight sword. I'm going to do this, that and the other. And it's just, I don't know, keeping your goals realistic, but also mm. not having just the one. I mean, have a structure, have your pro have the goal you really want, and then have leading up goals like micro sort of steps and these little. Again, it, it's all it's all specific. And again, I'm not gonna try and give everyone a mm. 
like Dan's ways to live and all that kind of stuff. But I think perspective can be <laughs> sort of best, the best thing in the world and also your worst enemy. And it depends mm. on how you use it. Mm. And it's easily changing the moment's notice. This is the reason why seeing motivational videos and pictures and stuff puts you in a better headspace. That picture or video is nothing but some megapixels and um, some like noises. It's not anything else. You've perceived that and taken that in and taken that information in and done something with it. You're the one who's making yourself feel motivated. You're the one who's going out and doing the work. It's just that you've decided that's what it took you to get in that position to do it. So yeah. it's all very interesting having, um, you know, giving other people responsibility and giving other people credit for your achievements. But you take a look in the mirror and, you know, give yourself a pat on the back. I mean, it's, life's, not, <laughs> life's not easy. So it's just so important to really give yourself some no, acknowledgement. No. Yeah, and again, I, I know that I'm obviously I'm uh, my MMA boner is obviously so hard. Um, yeah, another one of the the easiest things about MMA is this blueprint that it just gives you. It's free. Just being in MMA or jiu-jitsu or any martial art gives you this blueprint. Right, man, you got to eat right. You got to eat right, or you're not going to perform. Okay, right now I'm going to change my eating up. My 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 thinking patterns are going to get better. I'm going to want to work out more, and and then you start. You know, getting a little bit more serious because you start landing on people inspiring and oh yeah man this is cool this is cool all right now i've got to get my road work up man i've got to get hitting that cardio you know all these things that are sort of expected of you and are expected of yourself like i think more importantly in you know mma martial arts it really is this roadmap to 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 just getting better you know in a very sort of easy sublime way it's so easy but you've just got to You've got to put it working. You've, you've got uh, you've got the ingredients, yeah. And now you just need to make a, a bang up meal, get it on Instagram, get the likes. It's as simple as that. It's, it's so good, especially when it comes to MMA. And I think that's really benefited you building that structure in that sense and having that kind of reward systems, the learnings, the highs and the lows, and the camaraderie as well. Like it's almost, I don't know, like that same kind of like the faux fort is almost that you're yeah. you're there with people you're in the trenches with so to speak you're learning you're i don't know i think one thing i want to really want to get into this regards of being back in the services how did you deal with failure in operations versus how do you deal with failure now the, i would say the, the way the core operates is very transparent you have to be again a, another parallel with the mma world you have to be very transparent you have to be able to look in the mirror very uncomfortably, but also very kindly. I think it's the most important way of doing it. You have to be kind. You have to be objective. You have to sit there and say that, you know, if I don't do my job to the highest standard, to a professional degree, especially in those scenarios, you know, people are going to get hurt, especially, you know, friends. And and uh, I think more than that, the uh, the work ethic that you sort of evolve, and this is not just in the Marines. This could be anywhere, you know, if, if you de develop uh, this this uh, disciplined work ethic, it's very easy to transfer, you know, and it doesn't become sort of something that's synonymous with the Marines for me. You know, I, I don't even think about, when I say courage in the face of adversity, that's verbatim, you know, the Marines, um, one of our sort of tenants, but it's not a Marine thing for me anymore. It's more of a, this is a lifestyle, this is an unbroken rule of life, of the universe. This is an unfortunate truth. It's uncomfortable to look at. It's kind of like the fact that I know it, and I know that it works. It's almost like this horrible little secret that I want to tell forever. I feel like I'm in some strange pyramid scheme where I sort of, I sort of peek people in the distance, like, oh, he's struggling over there. 
and I sort of sidle up and hey man, did you know? Adversity's great, man. You can uh, you can turn all this round, you know, right? I'm trying to you know push out this adversity, and oh, I, I just wish I just wish it didn't suck so much at the start, you know. I wish you didn't have to sort of suffer so much to sort of gain this this massive thing, but. You know, like I said, there's always a sort of price to pay and you have to be willing to sort of pay the piper and, and have the, not strength, but sort of have the objectivity to kind of look past, like, these hard five minutes. You know, those last 20 seconds when you're in the, the two-minute plank, you've got to be objective and go, look, man, the quarantine's coming up. I've been eating monster munch again. You know, the beach is coming. I've got, I need these 20 seconds, man. I need these 20 seconds. You need to, you need to look past what's going on and, and be kind just be kind to yourself that okay I'm going to stuff this quite a bit and it, I do mean this it is so important the way you phrase that is that being objective but being kind it's not sugarcoating shit but it's also not putting yourself down it's being matter of fact yeah. but not you know being horrible it's saying okay you're there <laughs> exposed in front of your mirror give yourself that kind of observation of okay I need to t- tidy this up, but, you know, it's not that bad. Like, I'm not, you know, <laughs> jab of the hut, but this muffin top isn't, you know, doing anyone any favors. <laughs> it's trying to find that kind of, that middle ground of being honest, but not being detrimental. To keep, yeah. to be your, I don't know, to be your own support network almost. Be that friend yeah. who bullshit you. Mm. I think, um, yeah, you, you, you sort of do need to be your own hype man. But um, it's, it's also a developed skill. Like, again, like, you know, you have to have, like, these time periods. Oh, and, and again, this is, I'm sure everybody sort of deals with this in some way or another. This is irrelevant to mental health. And, you know, everyone has these days where they're not very nice to themselves, man, where, you know, so they tell you went to jiu-jitsu, you're in the sparring, you killed three rounds, you tap three white belts, you feel great. You know, and then the big boy comes along, big purple belt comes along turns you inside out you've gone from feeling great you know what it's like man you, you leave that you leave that you leave that gym and you don't feel good you come home and you feel actually how you are and oh man i don't think jujitsu is for me anymore i got tapped out big time you take this big ego check and you're not very nice to yourself and i should have got this i should have got that man i can't believe i fell for that you know you need to go through like these horrible situations where you're not very nice to yourself to realize that you're not being very nice to yourself uh, it's just it's this is all sort of a developed skill, you know. You need to you need to keep trying at these things because it's all connected. Essentially, you know, if when you can be objective and kind to yourself, then it makes it easier to to hit goals or motivate yourself because you know you're not shouting yourself every oh you go for a run but you're a fat idiot Chris who eats monster much too much and you're never going to hit that 3k and you know then I'm, I'm not being kind to myself. I'm not vote motivated. Whereas you know, if, if all day I've been kind to myself, I've been objective, I, I, I've probably messed something up. Everybody does. And as long as I'm not beating myself up and I've learned from whatever it was that, that I'm not happy with, you know, is it does it pay off for my long-term and short-term goals and my health to, to sit there and be horrible to myself? It, it probably doesn't. But it feels so good at the time. This again, there's so much to really go into this again. That kind of concept of I think it's almost a borderline eating disorder when it comes to that kind of thing. That kind of mantra of oh, your shit, you need to do this because you're fat and all this kind of thing. It's just so toxic. 
but to have mm. that kind of being accountable of okay why why aren't you doing this are you really too tired or you can just not be asked and this is where you've got to be honest with yourself if you can't be asked and accept you can't be asked that's different to bullshitting yourself and saying oh no there's something else happened having that kind of awareness of do you know what i'm not feeling it. i want a night off to say that to yourself versus oh no i can't i've had a long week and this long-winded bullshit excuse it's different like if you don't bullshit yourself then you're in a better spot before you've even started if you know where you're at you know where you're i don't know you you know what you mean you can't start saying oh no i'm going to justify this because of x y and z no you either do want to do it or you don't want to do it if you feel like mm. you should do it that's a different conversation but it's that excusing and that kind of i don't know and try not to give yourself the wrong motivation to do it do something yeah. because you feel like you are able to not because you should do it as such like you've got the potential to you've got that in the tank you've got this to do do it yeah, I like that. I think uh, there's a big expectation around us, you know, things that you should be doing. It's very easy to sort of fall into this trap of uh, just going along with other people's ideas and, and conceptions of what you should be. And and, and again, it's, there's no blueprint. And it's, it's sort of very demotivating for me to sort of sit here and go, look, man, I can sort of throw these ideas at you, but... As long if they're not your ideas, they're not going to land. You know, there really is sort of this. You've got to find what works for you. You, you really, and you've got to be strict, strict and very rigid in in this first part of the recovery where you're trying to find out what your thing is, what your passion is, you know, what philosophies and what ideas speak to you. And and you know, if, if you're a David Goggins kind of guy, if 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 that gets your bro boner going, that's great, man. But if if you're listening to like guru who's like a, a buddhist indian mystic he's not going to do it for you man he's going to tell you about peace and love and you're going to go oh, yeah bro i need to get another 300 push-ups in otherwise you know goggins is going to beat me up in the car park later you need to find what works man what 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 speaks to you and yeah it's very very sort of uh there, there is no recipe again there is no recipe it is again it's so personal to each person mm. now as much as i have enjoyed this podcast where can people find you uh i'm on instagram at the moment uh i'm a, a i'm an artist on instagram so you can find me at the lucky raven on instagram and that's I, that's the only social media i've got man I, i'm very uh i don't do great with social media i think for me personally like i, I don't do well with facebook I, I hate seeing all the toxic stuff in the world and you know that's not to say i ignore it but uh social media is a tool essentially social media is a tool and you use it to, to get what you want. For me, I like Instagram. I like the pretty pictures, man. <laughs> well, that's, uh, again, it's, you can choose your own sort of input. I mean, it's not a case of ignoring it. It's a case of, you know, making sure you see what you want to see. I mean, yeah. the one who chooses who you follow and stuff. There's no need to see all the sort of graphic stuff. And yeah. that stuff. You can know where it is if you want to see it. You've so, got to be responsible with, with what's around you. All that will be in the description. Today's episode was brought to you by Mauler MMA. Use code FC MMA. 20 at checkout for 20% off on all products on maulermma.com.